Welcome to Concrete Conversations, the Indian real estate podcast. I'm Yash and I'm Akshay and we're the hosts of the show. In the last two decades, Indian real estate has gone through several transformations. We have seen the markets opening up to FDI, the entry of IPCs, the emergence of large-scale grade A commercial real estate, systemic regulatory changes such as RERA, and most recently, the securitization and commoditization of real estate with fractional ownership, REITs and AIFs, just to name a few. This means that developers need to be extremely dynamic and responsive to change if they wish to endure the challenges that this ever-evolving landscape throws at them. We have with us today Mr. Angad Singh Bedi, Managing Director of BCD Group, a 70-year-old construction company with experience in a vast variety of sectors from hospitality to infrastructure in India and abroad. Mr. Bedi started his career as a chartered accountant with reputed consulting firms like KPMG and PwC, working in mergers and acquisitions, taxation, restructuring and more before joining his family business. In the recent years, the group's footprint has risen to above 60 million square feet with projects across verticals such as luxury as well as middle to lower income housing. They are now working to establish a 1500 crore real estate AIF or alternative investment fund specializing in economically stressed projects along with Nissus Finance. In this episode, Mr. Bedi sheds light on current market trends, fundraising through the AIF model and working with economically stressed assets. So without further ado, get ready for some concrete conversations. Angad, welcome to Concrete Conversations and good morning to you. How is your day going so far? Thanks, Akshay. Hi, Yash. Good day to you all as well. It's a bright sunny morning here in Bangalore after about a good fortnight. We've seen a clear day ahead, so good to catch up. Absolutely. Great to hear that. Nice to hear that you're seeing good weather. And uh, speaking of good weather, I, I, I know there's a lot of good news that we have to cover within our conversation and we have several themes planned out. But let's take it back to the genesis, I think, to set the context for our listeners. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about your career uh, history, how you got involved in real estate and uh, what the story is of BCD Group and where you fit into that story? So Akshay, BCD is a seven-decade-old construction organization basically going back almost pre-partition days wow and it's a legacy of almost fourth generation coming forward mm-hmm. and some iconic buildings across the country some key landmarks have been built by the group over these past few decades you know and the spaces they have been very interesting you know they're one of the only groups who have from steel plants to power plants to hotels to courts to residential complex and globally also six to seven countries they've covered a large square footage. Hmm. So when I joined, I was, I'm a chartered accountant by profession and when I was training with PwC and KPMG back in 2005, hmm. granddad said that somebody needs to take the reins forward because this legacy is unparalleled to anybody has in the country and we truly believe that construction and real estate is the key factor which will propel GDP growth, the whole economic development of the country. So putting that vision and saying that, you know, this has been a steadfast company without debt who has carried forward execution year on year without any failures. Hmm. He got me and roped me early in the day when I was in my teenage years to train me, to bring me around the country from different cities, tier two cities, wherever we were operating. Hmm. 
and somewhere around 2005 and 6 my heart set on bangalore as a destination per se right. seeing the weather the climate seeing it as a cosmopolitan city right so delhi bombay have always been at the forefront but i saw the emerging opportunity here down south a larger way than what it was in north north right. so that helped me come in over here in bangalore make a foothold we signed up couple of projects and uh, we started with what you call as a mixed use development back in the day that was a big trend right that is a commercial and a residential development coming in together hmm. in one hmm. one format and you know intrinsically being linked in one project and interesting times at that point of time there were you know international clients there was an era where trump was wanting to come into india the entire fdi market was breaking through an indian market i somewhere feel was transgressing from the normal 2 bhk 3 bhk format apartments into a way more evolved real estate market right that's when i realized you know today something which we are witnessing is this work from home concept in fact it was 2014 where i did my first small work from home concept it was a tower basically where you had a apartment on the left and your office or a room across the hall on the corridor wow. so that was a, that was a it sort of a thing which came in and it just has picked up fire because of this pandemic as a concept okay right so we basically try to see the trends out in the market to understand what the need is going to be and evolve that into a product strategy and construction has been our forte to deliver that asset into a quality one is something which has been core with the organization of about 5 to 6000 people running it day in day out hmm Hmm. So I see real estate as a opportunity for India which is I think on the tip of golden decade and it's the first year or second year in we are yet to hit that run I mean Russia has had it China has had it US has had it I think India is just on the start of it there is a huge opportunity out here there is a huge demand out there for the housing right so we worked across you know entire country in terms of construction we built we doing refineries we doing tech parks we doing factories but where my heart lies is you know getting the end user something which they're not seen in the market very excited to tell that one of the largest senior living concept on a rental exchange model that means that we are putting up a product out there where the senior citizens can actually come and rent but in today they're compelled to buy and own and that's a capital intensive nature right so we're working in the last stage and it's almost up and ready and then we'll be going live in about a month or so with people coming in and moving in and these are things we decided that you know we when we want an old person to come in we don't want him to tie him down with him to get involved in buying an asset and being you know booked into that place itself so the rental model gives him flexibility tomorrow he wants to be in the city he can be in the city and he can move out and exit and close the rent and go out that facility on a lower rental model is something uh, general population gets very attracted to with at par facilities at any other thing which they're getting so these are things which we see from the market what is the need coming out from the consumers and try building it back into the construction profile as well as our development profile to see we are engaging very very closely with our consumers right right and you know something interesting that you mentioned nangad was um, that you know india could be on the precipice of another golden run when it comes to real estate markets and um, since you have such a breadth of experience i thought that it would be you know prudent to ask you the possible reasons behind this golden run 
why do you think that uh, real estate in india is now well placed to have a good run for a number of years so yash i think india not only in real estate i think india as a country is poised to hit the golden decade starting now it all forms i mean i'm talking about all industries i'm talking about as a country as uh, you know Uh, the full gdp format of it not just limited to real estate real estate definitely being one of the key contributors to it right having said that real estate per se as an industry has i mean it's not you know secret that past decade has been extremely challenging you know when us hit the 2008 crisis india was still holding its head high till 2013 right but after that various regulatory changes all the statutory changes the markets tilting over in terms of the nbfc crisis which is looming large and uh, you know negativity which was brought and built up over a period of time into the sectors which just made the customers wary of the whole thing this i would feel has led to a pent up demand out there for about 6 to 7 years where really no launches have happened right back in the day i don't know if you guys would have uh you know notice the news would only cover media would only cover inventory overhang right, right. supply versus demand yeah yeah you know today i'm i'm i can personally confidently say that if there is a ready apartment or a year ready unit or a ready product there is nothing known as an overhang it's sold out it's gone in fact i mean you know from bombay and all people who are recruiting there and sending their team to bangalore or anywhere else they're saying go find out your housing needs but you don't come back and tell me that you went to the new place and you're not able to sort out your own accommodation that's the sort of a demand which is cup kicked in in all the you know metropolitan cities across india where people coming in right what's the first thing the person wants to do after they have money they want to buy they either want to buy their own car they want to buy their own house they want to buy the first thing to naturally you know indian mentality the first thing is go upgrade your phone that's a right and that's we just naturally tend to do of but these three things that's why there is a huge market being built out there for which the it has to be catered as well right as private developers as private individuals as responsible citizens we too have to do our bit to provide housing in that segment right based on that we've launched certain products which are in the range of 25 to 30 lakh rupees hmm and trust me before we have even opened the bookings out there is a line out there of people saying that yes we want to buy that wow so that means the demand of that price point where people can afford it is is absolutely you know phenomenal right i i completely uh, agree with you there rangat i think uh, you know aspirational home buyers like you said i think it's going to and is a huge market in india and we're seeing this like you said with the interest people have shown in affordable housing absolutely um i think it's a very strong point over there anger and uh, i think you, you, building on what you're saying we were talking a lot about the development uh, aspect and regulatory landscape of real estate in india but obviously one of the things we're seeing even more prevalent uh, in the recent times especially uh, after regulations like rera came in in 2016 is the commoditization of real estate and real estate assets we're talking about reits we're talking about aif so we're talking about fractional ownership so there are many many things coming in on the private equity side many models on the public equity side we wanted to ask you specifically about aifs uh, we had actually had another guest on our podcast who's recently launched an aif we had uh, uh, an aif launch in the indian market last year as well 
Um, is there any reason behind the AIF model becoming so popular for real estate funds? So I would say that is yes and no. I mean, AIF is a way of raising capital and getting it out there, but not everybody can do it. It has to be specially handled, understood. There are laws which govern it. It's under the guidelines of SEBI. Hmm. So unless you are very proficient on the whole thing, how they are run, how they are operated, what is the end goal? I mean, it's. I just hope it's not one of the things where you know everybody just. It's a new terminology, and everybody wants to jump on the bandwagon like it was real estate a decade back. Right. So non-core assets, which were not into your business models at all, people would say, okay, fine, you know, real estate is out there, and let's just start that real estate vertical. So it's a extremely technical nature of raising capital from the markets and then deploying it and running the books. Hmm. And uh, we do have partnered to come up with our own AIF in this year, which is going to be one of the largest stress asset ones. Having said that, but the fund manager and our partner who is running it has been doing it for over two decades, the same business right when it was launched. Right. And because you're raising money from the capital markets and from individual retail owners, you need to know what you're really doing with it. Hmm. Ultimately, how you're deploying the capital, how it is getting utilized, how that money is going to convert something into an end product as a real estate. One thing this industry, if has not learned the lesson, that if you're not an absolute professional at it, do not do it. Hmm. Because how we have transformed is, be it as doctors, lawyers. Engineers, they're certified. I mean, there is a license which gives it. Hmm. Real estate and AIF is something one can do. But typically today, only professionals and somebody with a clean-cut understanding of the laws and the markets will be able to survive this way of operating these things. Right, right. You just mentioned someone who understands the laws and regulations of this market. Could you also elaborate on whether you think it's important for investors to know that, or they need to just be sure that the fund that they're looking at, the people running the fund, know that. Absolutely. I mean, I am, after, you know, on the stock market of it, it's something I'm a chartered accountant, but I don't understand because we are playing on numbers of trajectory of somebody else's company growth. Right. In terms of a PNL going plus or minus and the EBITDA and the PE numbers based on which you have a valuation and your money can go up and down. Whereas when you're talking about a REIT, when you're talking about an AIF, you're talking about funds, you're talking about as a consumer, as an investor into real estate, it is tied down to land and a commodity which is tangible, monetizable and real in every sense of the thing, back-ended. Hmm. So there is no value which can be eroded because fundamentally land and the asset has an eternal value. Now, we can differentiate on the number. We can say the price points can differ, but the value can never go out because it's not a business-based asset. It's it's like, it's like after gold, land is the second solid most asset in the world. Right, physical asset. Yes. So if any money is going and getting tied as intrinsically being linked to something in the end, which you own either as a fractional ownership or as a floor plate or as a strata or as an owning an AIF fund which in turns will be holding the you know real estate or as a REIT which internally you own as a REIT you know investment into the REIT and then the REIT owns the asset which is giving a return so even if the return is not coming as a rental the REIT owns that asset right 
So you're never fundamentally at risk. Right. So I would say this is the best asset class in terms of having your investment secure at least. It may not give you phenomenal returns which an equity can or cannot give you. And it says that equities do over a period of time. But a year on year, year on year yield, which this uh, assets yield out to you with a security that your principal capital is secured, I would say it's fundamentally the best investment on the earth. I would not risk or think of anything else but this. Right. And then, you know, real estate has its way of giving it back to you as well because the multiplier which comes in capital appreciation over a period of half a decade or a decade, I mean, that just changes the game over equity any day. So you have a yield and you have a chance of a multiplier for a capital appreciation as well, which is something you can't time. So it's a long-term horizon, no doubt. It's not a easy and easy out. But I would say that everybody should have significant allocation of their capital into these modes. So then that becomes of understanding, you know, you want to buy it directly, you want to hold it indirectly, you want to hold it through a REIT. That's your individual perception about understanding something. But ultimately, the end product is the same. It's either a commercial asset or a residential asset. Then there is a location story on it. And there is an end use story on it, who's actually using it. What is going to happen in the micro market? Will it come up and down? And the various factors are right there for you to make your own deliberated call as a layman as well. I mean, you don't need to have rocket science to understand that part of the thing. Only you just need to give it a thought. Right. And uh, just to, you know, kind of go back to something you had mentioned uh, was that, you know, your AIF will be looking at stressed assets. And uh, I just wanted to, you know, for the clarification of our listeners also, kind of get an understanding from you of what this business model of acquiring stressed assets is. And uh, I know that, you know, you guys are looking at this at scale in the Bangalore market. So any, again, reasons behind why Bangalore was the place to do this? So, Yash, I think uh, stress assets is a position. It's not Bangalore, it's Pan-India situation right this situation why this word is coming as the word stress asset i mean asset is always an asset but it isn't stress is because of multiple reasons which have happened over a period of a decade with either promoters being leveraged with banks not releasing the funds with nbfcs right you know to the biggest in the country having closed down and you know hit the roadblock People not being able to convert their real estate into end use in the time frame they thought they would be able to. The laws changes, like you rightly mentioned, Lera came in, then GST got evolved, and right. we had after demonetization, you know, changes in the whole uh, system about how things are operated, as well as you know, the governance has all changed, bringing it a halt into you know everybody in looking inward into their business to see how you know you make the framework compliant to the laws so people were taking a step back and then covid hit and covid has though derailed projects this situation became a large scenario built onto projects and promoters pan india and pan india across the country there are larger micro markets like the ncr mmr and you know somewhere across promoters are stuck and the projects are stuck for various reasons. Right. Now, unless the asset is converted into keys and it's an unbuilt concrete lying out there, right. it is not going to have really tangible value. 
it creates a situation that it becomes a negative liability for the promoter running a risk of having to pay rera interest the consumer not being able to get their homes right the investors money getting piled on you know in the books and the banks and the nbfc's number getting piled on where they don't see an exit because unless sales happen nothing is going to happen right and sales are not going to happen because if the confidence in the project is gone people are just looking at each other to find out a way now when it's like a what you say is a standoff and nobody is blinking first i thought this was the right opportunity for us to step in right as professionals as with a fund you know with a capital size of say 500000 crores which will days which can solve a problem about 7 to 8000 crores worth of assets getting turned around right because unless somebody puts the first leg in to say yes we are coming in we are on board we are taking over this project we're going to handle the construction we're going to handle the financial institutions which are stuck we're going to go to the customers with their grievances we are going to you know sort out their issues we're going to bring everybody back on board together to say hey it's a joint effort let's get it done right and unless somebody spearheading and we touch wood with a brand and a you know reputation out there when we come and step in people hear that and people tend to listen to it right so the situation which is being built across the country with the government also releasing this swami fund which is a government initiative to solve the problems because housing needs to be provided and you know today there are projects which are stuck at late stages buildings are built up there's not capital to complete it there is not technical expertise to turn it around quickly people have not been able to get the consumers confidence back into the game people's business has been shut for a year two years and you know it's just been downhill there so i see a phenomenal right. opportunity there as you know professionals to turn around these assets into a positive end goal right so it solves basically five things consumer get their homes the investor gets their money out the banks get an exit the promoter gets saved from rera and generally there is development happening in the country which is required to be done from a plain vanilla greenfield stage which will take half a decade if these assets can be converted out it will be in the faster stage right and and that does make sense you know and uh, because this is such a convoluted issue so many times with projects like these it does make complete sense that you guys can bring your experience to the table i i think uh, angad you know we've covered so many uh, different facets of the development business but i thought that um, given your unique position and you know um exposure to different asset classes and innovations i thought that this would be a good question to ask you if we were to take a step back and look at all this innovation we're seeing in the residential space like you mentioned uh, a rental model for senior living you mentioned student housing you mentioned co living mixed use developments so looking forward into the future as you said you know your uh, developers try to see what they can provide to consumers that's different so are there any stand out verticals or stand out uh, you know formats that you see within the residential space that will be big or uh, you know that have a lot of scope going forward yes absolutely i mean uh, this was a trend which we've done and executed but the coming decade i see real estate sizes being pushed up back to which they came down in the middle towards the smaller formats and uh, we see better planning of utilities and areas you know they were generally planned floor plates now what we are doing is my team is right now in the process of launching another township about 2000 apartments near the bangalore airport where we are carefully each and every unit 
there is a thought being given to because we don't just want to make a building we want to make it say 2000 homes for 2000 buyers and then what would they actually need in terms of the amenities and the details which the asset class proposes or owns to have over there in terms of a customer those basis planning is very important today and where we are seeing the trend moving it is into is you know people are ready to buy people want to spend up people want to move out from that ready to move into ready to live in fully fitted out homes you know right it's like the apartment is there you don't want to just move in you know and then you're stuck because after coming into you start living there there's always a big gap and then you know there are people living in the building there are timeline issues so what we are calling it is as a, a la carte concept right what we're going to be offering because we we don't want to uh, that's something our consumers and our customers will have the benefit because we are backward integrated in all aspects right that they will start reaching out to us when they buy a space that how their end home is going to be during the course of the execution of the project their home also gets evolved and planned off and done by us right so when they're coming in it's not a ready to uh, move in it's a ready to live in so you just come in with your suitcase you just unpack into your cupboard and you're sleeping there tonight that's ghar pravesh right so ultimately you know people don't have the time people don't have the bandwidth people are busy with their own lives you know covid has given mind space shrinkage to so many people that you know they don't want to like waste it on unwanted times they realize right. that life is short time is <laughs> in hand you know it's a most essential commodity and we don't want to break sweat over things which you don't require to be breaking sweat right <laughs> so at least in our industry we thought of through from that angle and then we said let's why not provide everything of every nature which any consumer regarding real estate requires to be done and we contribute our part to do our share for it perfect perfect i think that's a lovely lovely note um to bring this conversation full circle on uh, anga that takes our time that we have with you for today but we just wanted to say thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the on this podcast and we really enjoyed speaking with you i'm sure the listeners will enjoy listening to our conversation as well absolutely thanks to akshay and you that uh, we are connecting and we've got a chance to you know do this and it gets a lot of thoughts out and you know it's we living in interesting times and today the mode of communication has changed as well you know how we evolve our thinking and how we see things and how we communicate So it's good that we're sitting in different time zones and different time and yet we're all together in this note. If you enjoyed this conversation, be sure to follow Concrete Conversations on Instagram to know more about upcoming episodes and for some behind the scenes content. For more deep dives into the world of Indian real estate, stay tuned for more Concrete Conversations.